BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, we can't get fooled again. Welcome to the show, everyone. That's Marcus Parks. I'm Ben Kissel. Marcus. Yeah. The date. It's April 19th. (laughs) The year, 1989. The Central Park 5 case was born. Yes. 40 kids went wild in Central Park, of course, and a gal. A very, very uh, sad story. And the only fact that we have in this case is that there is a victim named Trisha Maylie, who is now known as the Central Park jogger. She was violently beaten and raped by a group of individuals. That's pretty much the only thing that we know for certain. Mm-hmm. Who these individuals were is up for debate. Of course, who they are commonly known as and, and cemented by Ken Burns in his, in his uh, documentary, The Central Park Five, are Carrie Wise, Kevin Richardson, Antron McRae, and Yusuf Salam, and of course, Raymond Santana as well. Uh, the common narrative right now in this country and around the world is that these individuals were wrongfully convicted. Mm-hmm. They are 100% innocent of the crime. And due to a federal gag order, which has just been lifted, uh, we're finally starting to hear the other side of the story, which is, of course, by the NYPD. Yes. We are very, very lucky to have with us the arresting officer for two of the five of the Central Park Five, uh, Mr. Eric Reynolds. Thanks so much for being here, Eric. All right. Well, you know, because like I said, this is, uh, to be honest with you, Ben, this this whole story boggles my mind right now, what it's yeah. turned into. You are know? you a native New Yorker? I'm a native New Yorker. Yeah. I'm a Look, I'm a black kid. That was born in the Bronx. Okay, my mother was a uh, my mother was a black woman who was socially conscious. Okay, she was aware of racial issues. Would she, you describe her as an activist? She was someone that kept us, you know, she kept us aware. Yes, she yeah. kept us aware of you know social issues, what's going on with blacks, you know, who's who's doing what for us and what's happening, and mm-hmm. you know, the one thing, <clears throat> the one thing that she always wanted was or espoused for us was education. Mm-hmm. She wanted us, you know, go to school, get your education. I don't care what you do. Make sure you finish. Uh, and what happened was she didn't, she actually didn't have her high school diploma either. Then she graduated from high school the same year I did. And what year was that? It was in 1977. That's beautiful. And I, well, you know, when I asked her, I said, you know, I said, mom, what do you, because she was going to night school. And I'm like, well, what are you doing this for? And she's like, my kids, none of my kids, because I'm the oldest. Right. Um, uh, I have three younger sisters. But uh, she said, none of my kids are going to get their high school diploma before I do. 
And then uh, from there, she could, she continued on. She went to college and uh, she got her degree in uh, social work. So you guys just kind of tied in '77. And she was you called <laughs> called it even. Yeah, yeah. It's well, very I, nice of her to take night school as opposed to uh, just sitting right next to you in every class. <laughs> that would that would be yeah. one hell of a massive cock block if your mom is constantly in science class when you're ta- uh, trying to talk to somebody that you're interested in. You yeah. know, I never even thought of it that way. Could be a nightmare. This is the first time I actually thought of it in those terms. Oh yeah. Never, so you yeah. grew up in a very socially aware household. You graduated high school in '77, yeah. and then you went in. Directly after high school to uh, to join the NYPD, or uh, well, I was twenty one. I had a, I held a couple of jobs beforehand, but um, I thought it was a good job. I thought it was a, a you know I thought it was a great job being an I, I NYPD mean, as, officer. Yeah, I mean as a as a black man, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I feel one of the most important things. Well, one of the most important things I learned from living in the projects is for for us to get ahead. For there to be anything, whether it's education, whether it's health, whatever it is, mm-hmm. you have to be secure in your own home, in your own neighborhood. Mm-hmm. That's all. That's all I'm saying. All right? That's all I did as a cop. And so you joined the NYPD in what, 80, 81? 81. 81. July 13th, 1981. Yeah, cause that's oh, right. Because wow. you, you, uh, you retired in July of 2001. Actually, June, because I accrued uh, some lost time and stuff. And <laughs> whole bad. month. Got a whole month. Good moves. Yeah. <laughs> Good moves. Yeah. So, 81, you become an NYPD officer. Now, obviously, um, like I was telling you before, when I did grand jury duty, I realized uh, that a lot of blacks and Hispanics have extreme mistrust of the NYPD. And when they would have detectives come in there and testify in the prosecution, uh, you know, for the prosecution, it was almost a negative. Uh, how was the community? How did they treat you when you um, became a police officer? Did you lose some friends? Did you gain some friends? Oh, that's a, yeah, people I knew, there were some people I knew that just, it was a problem for them, and, and fine, all right, you know, whatever, you know, obviously, you know, our friendship wasn't based on that much, that uh, right. occupation now disqualifies me from, you know, having anything to do with you. I mean, so, I, will, I will say, yeah. it, it, I can see the hindrance, I can see where it can become an issue. If I had to hide my weed every time my buddy came over because he's a <laughs> cop, I'd be like, oh my goodness, well, this is too much work for me. Yeah. yeah. You know. So that's 81, you, beco- you become an NYPD officer, and how long did it take you to climb up the ranks to become a detective? Uh, I became a detective in 90, 90, 91, I got promoted. I was, okay. in, I was in the robbery squad. Oh, nice. Yeah. So um, let's go back. Let's just go with uh, April 19th, 1989. You're, uh, what are you up to? What are you doing? Okay, so I'm working in Central Park, and um, I'm in anti-crime. My, I'm with my partner, uh, Robert Powers. We're both... Uh, our job in anti-crime is basically uh, to make arrests for crimes, violent crimes, and progress on the street. Right. Okay? Rape, robbery, carjacking, you know, any... Uh, the thing was uh, over aggressive squeegee abuse as well. I remember this was the eighties. New well, York was, was full of squeegee. No, there was not a dirty windshield in New York City in the eighties. Full time of squeegees. I, every time I see any footage of New York City from the eighties, they always make sure to get that squeegee shot. Can't out. get enough. Can't get yeah. enough of these squeegee fellas. Yeah. So eighty nine, you are protecting the streets of New York City. Yeah. So we uh, we come into work and uh, uh, we drive. We're doing a four to twelve. Right in the park, it's you know four four a.m. to uh, four twelve p.m. four p.m. to, to, to midnight. Uh, midnight. Okay, and uh, we're driving around in our green parks department van, you know, and um, around nine o'clock, I think it was nine nine thirty, uh, we start getting radio runs of a large group of teenagers, you know, black and Hispanic, attacking people throughout, you know, in, in various areas in the northern part of the park, which is further uptown. Mm-hmm. Um, so my partner and I. You know, we of course we start to drive towards 
the reports of these uh, incidents. And uh, other cars, other police cars started coming from neighboring precincts. Mm-hmm. The 2-3, the 2-4, the Manhattan North Task Force. There was a so bunch this of was taken there. with considerable importance. I mean, this was something that, you know, the police department went and was pretty active in trying to stop. Well, I know the first guy, the first guy that got assaulted by them was, uh, he was robbed and knocked unconscious and uh, left on the side of the road. And then they uh, went after some, uh, a cab driver. They went after some people on a tandem bike. And when you, you know, say they, they, this is just members of this 40-people per- person group yeah. of just random, maybe friends, but possibly just, you know, a right. random sort of flash mob situation. Exactly. But they weren't doing improv everywhere and dancing in Mall of America. <laughs> exactly. They were beating up bicyclists in Central Park. Yeah. Yeah. So, um as we're and you want to know what's the funny part? My partner, I, I looked at my partner because we were looking for them for a while, and there was not hide nor hair of these guys. Okay. And, and I said to him, "Are you sure? Are we even sure that this group exists? Because somebody should have seen something by now." You know, is that as we're looking over the park, we were driving through a part of the park which gave us, uh, like it was sort of like a high ground where we could see the rest of the the northern end. And we could see all the radio cars, the headlights going in and out and up and down all the paths. And I'm like, geez, somebody would have seen something by now if they, Mm -hmm. if these guys are really there. And, uh, that's when we got the last call of a man that got beat up. It was uh, John Lachlan. He got, uh, kicked, stomped, beat with a pipe. His head was busted open. Both of his eyes were shut. Mm. Uh, Office Mike uh, Mark Carlson, the cop that uh, that found him, said his head looked like it was dunked in a bucket of blood. Right. That's how bad they beat this guy. So, from where that assault took place, I figured I took that with the fact that there were so many radio cars in the park that they were probably outside of the park at this point. They probably just run out. So we right. drove out of the park at 100th Street, and when we and there's an exit there. There's a, a you know an exit for cars. When you, when we and had you out, seen anybody yet? You just saw the victim. You saw the after effects of the assault. But had you seen anybody running around the park yet? No, we didn't see the victim. We got it. We that you heard the reports of over the, the radio. Sure, we got it over the radio. So then, when we left the park, bang! There they were. There was like thirty of them. It was okay. like I was like, holy shit! And uh, just a I huge said, mob of kids. Yeah, I looked at my partner. I said, I guess they do exist. You know. So right. we started to. I'll tell you, I, I don't whistle a lot. But I feel like if I see a huge group of 30 kids, uh, I start to whistle and I cross the street. And I just <laughs> pretend as if I've gone back in time and it's the 1920s and I'm flipping a coin and I'm out there to see my finest dame. <laughs> so you see a large, intimidating group of young 15, 16, 17-year-old kids. Yeah. And um, now, you know, here's the thing. Nobody ever makes us as a cop. As cops, right? When you say makes, what does that mean? Nobody realizes that we're police officers. Right. You know, sometimes you see unmarked cars and then you recognize right away those are cops. And, you know, but the Parks Department van was perfect. Nobody ever knew it was us. But despite that, the kids stopped and started pointing at our van. Right. Right. And we're like, oh, shit. They, you know, how did they make us? Then I hear a rap on my window. I was sitting on the passenger side next to the sidewalk. Mm Mm-hmm. A female cop pulled up in a scooter and bangs on my window and goes, I think that's them across the street. I just saw You had to be infuriated, so she totally blew your cover. Right. 
So you're right. literally you're in the parks van. It's a green van. Can I call you Dweeb Patrol? Because I feel like that's what happened. You're going in the green van. You're on Dweeb Patrol. Okay, I'll take it. They never make us when we're doing that. But what we were going to do, we were about to call over the radio that we had them, but have everybody everybody come with no lights and no sirens. Right. This way we could get everybody. We could get every one of them. Because naturally right? they're going to scatter if they hear sounds. Right. And they were starting to scatter. They were pointing at us. So. And are you uniformed? No, we're plain no, clothes. Just plain clothes? Okay. Plain clothes in, in the Parks Department van. Yeah. Nobody knows who we are. The Parks Department used to, we used to get yelled at by their managers. They would look at us, what, what are you guys doing over here? You know, you got, you know, we're like, we don't even tell them we're the cops. Well, that's a, that's a fun time to flash the gun. <laughs> you know, when, when, when General Manager Stewie of the Parks Department comes over and demands that you go up to a different place in Central Park, you just let them know. No, we just laugh and play along with them. It's yeah. hilarious. <laughs> it's hilarious. I love it when people that have no power still think they have it. Yeah. That's always a fun time. Anyone who runs a Cinnabon. No, you give it to them. You give it to them. So anyway... When they start pointing at us, and we could see like a couple of kids in the back are starting to like walk away in the other direction. Right. So we take the van and we pull over in front of them to stop the group, and we call for you know we call for backup. And how many folks were you able to stop? Well, right away the whole group ran. Right. Everybody started running except for Raymond Santana and Stephen Lopez. Okay. So they immediately told me that the group was going to rob them. They were like, "Yo, them dudes was going to rob us." Now we were just sitting there watching them, we know that they were together with the group. Well, everybody not, know, everyone knows Lopez and Santana. They got all the money. <laughs> everybody knows. So it. now um, <clears throat> they're telling me that these, you know, these other kids were going to rob them. Right. My thought is, okay, I pretended to believe what they were saying and I told them, you know, okay, well, if we catch any of them, we'll bring them by and see if you can identify who, you know, right. which ones it was. Because look, this is the thing. I'm not going to catch both of them if I try to arrest them. Right. Right? So pretend to believe them. Wait till backup comes. When they come, then I put both of them under arrest. Mm -hmm. Okay? So now we, I, I had uh, Santana and Lopez. Then another kid named Lamont McCall was mm -hmm. arrested. Um, Clarence Thomas was arrested. And Steve, I mean, uh, Kevin Richardson hmm. was arrested. And I just okay. want to say for our audience listening out there, I'm not going to do it, but you insert your own Clarence Thomas <laughs> Supreme Court Justice <laughs> joke there when he said Clarence Thomas. I yeah. will not. I will not either. to that level of low comedy. <laughs> so now... So you have, you have McCall, uh, Thomas, and who is the third? Kevin Richardson. Kevin Richardson. Okay. Now, Kevin Richardson, one of the kids that got the, uh, the $41 million from, mm -hmm. the, from the mayor... Okay. So he, right now you've met Richardson and Santana. These are both members of the Central Park Five. Yeah. Um, uh, Richardson immediately starts crying and tells us, I know who did the murder. We'll bring you to, uh, to where, where he lives. He said it was Antron McRae. So he's in the back of the cop car, and he just admitted, he just blurted this out. He was just shooken up. He was in tears. Yeah. And at this point... Was he referring to uh, Lachlan, who was knocked off his bicycle? That's who we thought. Right. Lachlan was the last one. We thought that, uh, and, and by the way, it was him and um, uh, Lamont McCall who were saying they knew who did the murder. It was two of them. Okay. Yeah. So they could okay. have been talking about the guy whose face got beat in with that, the pipe. That's what we thought. That was yeah. the basis of my arrest. Right. Right. Okay. So... Um, they said it was Antron McRae. Actually, Antron McRae showed up that night 
and and we didn't arrest him. But anyway, he showed up at at the precinct. Yes. Okay. With his mother. But anyway, we're we're still out on the street, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Richardson and McCall are making these statements, and now they get transported back to the precinct. I go back to the precinct, and uh, Lopez and Santana get sent back to the precinct. And just to go back real quick, because this is one of the points that Ken Burns makes on a uh, he really beats um, really beats it over the head as if uh, he was in Central Park. Uh, himself with the lead pipe and beating Laughlin with it. Uh, he beats it over the head that the police interrogated the uh, Santana and uh, and Richardson uh, intensely. Was there any interrogation when these guys were in the back of the uh, in the back of the car when they were uh, you know professing the guilt of uh, no. of their friend Mr. McCray? No. no, these were just regular cops. These were just yeah. kids transporting them back to the station house. So they were just talking free just yeah. dare I say willy-nilly. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. basically what it is. Trying to get themselves out of trouble. But you see, once we got that, once we got them off the street and back into the precinct, now comes the juvenile room. And I'm using air quotes, okay? They're juveniles. I have to take them and process them in the juvenile room. There are right. special rules for juveniles. Mm-hmm. Okay, if which I, I mean, wanna, I I think that that makes sense. Yeah, uh, you know, obviously the the mind isn't mature yet, and juveniles. I mean, you know. Well, if you saw if you see the Ken Burns movie, you know, it's right. it's we got bullwhips and and forcing kids to say shit, and it's a flagrant lie. Yeah, it looks like a, a kink dot com sex tape or something. <laughs> the way that the way that it's portrayed. Yeah. So anyway, all right, this is this is what I'm faced with. I bring them to the station house, and I have to process all the arrests. I am not going to ask any of them a question other than what's your name, address, date of birth, where's your parents live, just the stuff to fill out the paperwork. And you have to do all of these interviews one-on-one. Yeah. With just one kid at a time. You can't can't do it in a large uh, group. No, all in the the juvenile room. Right. I couldn't do a a whole group. You know, I still have to do the paperwork one at a time. Right. I have to do an arrest packet. There was actually a packet filled with paperwork that you have to fill out for the family court Hmm. because that's where these kids are going they're going to family court right okay so now um i'm i'm faced with a problem and the problem is this when you make an arrest for a juvenile right if you do not return the child to their parent or guardian and the state retains custody all right that's us the police right we retain custody we send them to a juvenile detention facility which is also known as Spofford or used to be known as Spofford here right. in the Bronx. All right. That child is in, he's entitled to a family court hearing the very next morning. Okay. You can't, you know, he's, that's it. He stays overnight and right. he's got to have a hearing to determine whether he gets released or, you know, give him a chance to get out, which is fine. That's perfect. You know, right. now if the parents, the other choice you have as a, as the arresting officer is if the parent or guardian comes and you release them into the, you know, the, the custody of that parent. Then you give them an appearance ticket, but that appearance ticket is for family court a month down the road. Sure. Because it's, look, it's, it's crazy backlog down there, I'm sure. They can't have everybody come the very next day. So... Yeah. That's, I get, that's the least shocking thing I've ever heard. <laughs> New York City family court, extremely black, backlogged. No idea. Well, this was in the 80s, too. Oh, my goodness. Remember. Yeah. It was uh, easier to get into the studio. What was that? 54? 54. People loved it. Well, the first thing I did, I'm, I'm filling out the paperwork. I call up all the parents to come down. 
So, and you wanted these kids out of there as quick as possible. You're like, I want some shut eye. I want to go to sleep. I want my day to be done. Pick up your kids. I'm doing a four to 12. This week, I'm doing all four to 12s, right? right? I did a four to 12 that night. If I work past eight in the morning, that means now I have to do a day tour and not the, the four to 12 later on. So and I'd have to work like a day and a half straight. It, it does seem like one of those ironies where Ken Burns points to sleep deprivation uh, of the of the uh, kids involved in the in the case. It seems to me almost as if the cops were more sleep deprived than the uh, than the you're, possible suspects. As a detective, you're always sleep deprived. If you make a lot of collars, that's just the price of the, of the game. Yeah, you are asleep because you're always running. You're always running. You catch a catnap here, a catnap there. You got a case. You might be going two or three days. Hmm. You know. Yeah. So while you're processing these guys right now, what are you charging them with? Like when you're writing down on the form, assault, riot, assault and riot. At that, that at that point, that's all yeah. you've uh, got on these yeah, guys. All right. I also <clears throat> in the narrative, <clears throat> sorry, in the narrative of the uh, arrest report. Okay, and this is important too because there's two phrases that they've made a big deal out of. Okay, wilding and wolfpack. Mm -hmm. All right, they got. There's a lot of people that say the wilding and wolfpack are both racist terms. Yeah, it's it's nonsense. I think it's an MCB show and a WCW pro wrestling tag team. (laughs) Uh, First of all, the word wilding. I used the word wilding because they stated they were wilding. Right. Okay. I never heard that term prior to April 19th, 1989. Right. Okay, at 10, roughly 10, 10.30 at night. Mm. I had never in my life heard that term wilding until I arrested right. those five kids. All right? I'm sorry. But I'm sorry, this... Ken Burns and everybody else. Right. Uh, so at this point, you had 37 kids that you were interviewing throughout. So no. You got through... no. No, 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 Whoa. No. I got five kids. That's it. Yeah. And only, what, three of those, two or three of those are part of the Central Park Five? Well, hold on now. Yeah. You see, you're jumping way ahead. No, no, no. Not, I, I'm just trying, I'm sense. only trying to clarify, like, because, yeah, I mean, that might be confusion right. if you say I've got these five kids. Well, that's right. People might make that jump. Right. Well, let's say it's this. Track. Let's just say trying this. to clarify. No, no, let's, let's do that, because you're right. Marcus will clarify. The five, <laughs> you're right. The five kids that I arrested are not all of them the same as... The F- Central Park Five. Right. right. Okay. There were 37 kids in total interviewed by detectives when this was all said and done. That when that in, in that first week, I think. I mean, there's exponentially, well, not exponentially, but more as time went on, more people, uh, you know, got to be interviewed because of various things that occurred afterwards. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. everyone was sort of implicating somebody else, and then you had to go find them, and it was the whole yeah. The, the, the spider yes. web just continued to build. Yeah. So now. I called all the parents. I called all the parents, come down, get your kids. Okay, it's a riot charge. I never expected to see any of them ever again. Okay, to be honest with you. I did the paperwork. Um, I couldn't fill it all out because I had to wait for all the parents to be there. Right. Because I couldn't get, they would not give me that date for them to come back you know, like a month in the future, mm-hmm. you have to call up the court to get that. And you have to certify that everybody's parents are there if you have multiple arrests. So you can't do anything. All the parents came down except for Raymond Santana's father. Okay. His father refused to come. And why, why did he refuse to come? I don't know. Uh, as far as I, I know, know, didn't he have to go to work? That was the, that was the what uh, the All the parents had to go to work. Yeah. All the parents had to go to work. 
Well, I mean, I'm just saying that's what he said. Right. Kevin I mean, Richardson's Kevin Richardson's mother to her to her in her um, defense, she got there first and she had to work and she claimed she had a medical condition. Right. Okay. You know, that's that's I mean, I'm not that's your kid. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's your so, kid. Come so get when, your kid. So when the parent shows up, then so uh, Richardson's mother shows up. What happens then? Do you uh, do you explain to her why her son's being held? Yes. And do you do you reread the Miranda rights to her? No. As well, no. or what no. do you do? I don't read. The, I didn't read them to her. I didn't read them to him. Okay. I wasn't questioning them. So there was the only question. But isn't that a question? Name no. and uh, no. That's not considered like an official no. police question. Nope. So they no, have to answer the that. The supreme the Supreme Court has ruled that pedigreed information is not uh, subject to Miranda warnings okay. and that stuff. So at this point, it's such base questions that you how can tall just- are you? How much do you weigh? Where do you live? Where do you go to school? Do you have any priors? What's your parents' name? What's your parents' date of birth? We got to get all that information from them. I'm not asking. So, had him. he asked for a lawyer at that time, you would have been like, "That doesn't matter because right." I'm going to question you anyway. Yeah, but I mean, it does seem relatively invasive. I mean, asking about former priors and things that would lead you to uh, suspect them of a crime. Um, that's not a crime. more more or less right. That's not a crime having priors. Well, but you know, I mean, if somebody <laughs> has priors, it's it's much easier to get arrested again. I mean, no, you know. no. You don't, if, you're, you, if you're a detective and you arrest somebody who is completely squeaky clean, you're like, ah, all right, get out of here. But if they have a huge uh, rap sheet, you would be like, oh, well, this is obviously a career criminal. I mean, why? Well, we'll you would him. look at him. Yes. If, I if, mean, you would look at him if, differently. If somebody, yeah. if somebody picked out a picture of you from a mug book, okay, and... Oh, my God. I'll we, tell you. My yeah. only mug shot, I was morbidly obese. <laughs> I was 380 pounds. I got a DWI when I was 19. I hope nobody finds that picture. <laughs> Holy Christ. Well, let's, let's, your picture's in a mug book. And, I'm sure it is. Whatever, Filling up the whole damn thing, probably. Whatever city, cheeks. whatever city that is, and you should know this. I know it. That someone, people who were looking for rapists and robbers and stuff went through your picture. Well, I'm far too fat to rape. <laughs> There's no one, no one looking at that picture and be like, that guy, he's a sexual predator. I could hardly walk. But let's say somebody picked out your picture. Right. Let's say your fear is true and, and you don't have a criminal record, right? All right, yeah, you know what, maybe, you know, if the person says it was definitely him and you don't have a criminal record, we're still going to look at you and, and bring you in. Did Richardson have a criminal record? Uh, no, none of them did. None of them did, okay. None of them did. None of them had a record. Nobody's... Yeah, completely clean. Yeah. So at this point, you're like, okay, yeah. good, I'm going to send this kid off with his parents, the other parents are going to come in, I'm going to go home and go to sleep. I was waiting for uh, Raymond Santana's father. We were calling him and calling him right. and calling him, and he, at one point he stopped answering his phone. His uh, Raymond's uh, sister wouldn't come down. Finally, we got them to agree to send the grandmother down. And this time we said, no, where is she? We got the address and we sent a radio car to go get them to make sure that we got them so we could get rid of them. Right. Okay. But now prior to that, at about now, this is at 1030 at night Mm -hmm. that the initial arrest takes place and the processing takes place over a course of hours now. Right. Okay. Now, at 1 o'clock in the morning, 1.30 in the morning, is when the jogger is found in the ravine over on 102nd Street. Okay. And who found her? All right. Two cops were sitting. uh, They were were sitting in that spot, right, on the uh, cross drive, Mm -hmm. because that is kind of a high crime area. Bobby Calame and um, Joe Walsh. Okay. And they told me they saw, because it's like a big ravine. It's a roadway, and then the ravine going down, and then like dense woods. Right. And they saw two guys walking through, 
And they said that one of the guys looked like they wanted to say something, and the other one didn't. And they walked away from the police car, and Joe looked in the rearview mirror, and he could see them stop, you know, a few yards away from the car, and they have a little debate. And they come back over, and they say, listen, uh, there's a man's body down in the ravine. Okay. Mm-hmm. They were talking about the jogger. Right. They, I guess they thought, you know, she's very slim and petite. They, I guess they assumed yeah. uh, she Trish, was a man. Trisha Mealy. Yeah. I think yeah. it's Mealy. Is it Mealy? I think it's Mealy. Yeah. Trisha, Trisha Mealy. She was an investment banker yeah. uh, that um, they found in the park same night that all the arrests happened. Right. And this is, uh, she is what the biggest charges center around mm. this woman right here so uh woman's re- removed to uh wh- i forgot what hospital it was um i think it was mount sinai but anyway uh the detective bureau you know night watch gets involved and um detective uh, rosario i think it was rosario uh, called me up well i got i got told by him right that you know listen we found a woman's body up here and um, and during this time, you have the kids and you're going through the uh, the pedigree information yeah, with I'm them. I'm still trying to get Raymond yeah. Santana's father. Okay. And he said, listen, before you release them, we want to talk to them before you, uh, you know, before you let them go. Because we don't know. They might have seen what happened. You know, they might have. We don't know if they're involved. But, you know, we need to we need to talk to them. We need to, you know, just right. uh, interview just, each one. Just to clarify one more time. Why couldn't you just let Kevin Richardson go if his mom showed up? They all had to be together. Because if the other ones, if she left, right, right, she could she could have taken him. I told her she could leave him. She could take him, but she might um, have to end up coming back to court tomorrow morning, okay, at eight o'clock. And she said she'd prefer to wait. Everybody said we'll wait, okay, for Raymond Santana's father to come so that we can, uh, uh, you know, so they can so they could sleep. They can get some sleep, or they can go to work. They, they couldn't go to work, right? If I put them, uh, if I sent Raymond Santana to Spofford. That meant that all those parents had to go to family court at 8 o'clock. Right. That meant I had to go also. I was, believe me, I was just as motivated as them right. not to go, to have Raymond Santana's father show up right. so that none of us have to get, you know. So this is just a bad, it's just a bad day when both people are just really tired <laughs> and they're like, do we have to do, I like you, you're fine, but, but I'm tired. This yeah. is, but this is the period that Ken Burns is alleging right. with the sleep deprivation and he kept him up. And they couldn't have the teddy bears, you know, while they were sleeping, you know, <laughs> just all the bullshit. You know, it, it's. I'm sorry. You didn't witness if any you, of that. No. Look, if you if a ju- you're telling me if a juvenile beats and and robs you at fucking eleven o'clock at night, the cops can't talk to him because it's past his bedtime. Right. You know, he's tired. He's sleepy. Oh, you gotta let. Well, we'll get him in the morning. We'll, you know, he'll we'll let him sleep, put on his pajamas, have some hot chocolate, right. and. Uh, you know, in the so, morning. So you don't have sympathy. Have some, you don't have sympathy for their bedtime, and that's understandable. He'll have so some now the bits in the morning. The, so the jogger has now been identified. You get the word back at the precinct. No, wait. We didn't know who she was. No, did not know at all who we she. Didn't was. know anything about her. She was un, she was in a coma. She was unconscious. Right. All we know is we had this woman who was found, and basically my objective is now my the stuff I have to juggle now. Now I have to get all the parents in, and not only do I have to get all the parents in, once I get all the parents in, now, before I give each kid the appearance ticket and I have to give it to them all one at a time, now I got to sit down with the detectives and we got to interview each kid to see if they saw anything that night, okay? So when Raymond Santana's father and grandmother finally came down, I was like, hallelujah, 
now we can get the hell out of here. Right. I notified um, the guys, the detectives from Nightwatch that were investigating the, you know, the jogger who was found. And we interviewed um, Lamont McCall, right? Mm-hmm. He didn't say a word about it. Did you bring up the jogger? No. Or did they, were you just no. like, if they bring it up, they know no, something no, no, about no, no, it? No, 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 no. First of all, as an investigative technique, you don't bring stuff like that up when this, there is no this, evidence of but it. Now, this is a situation where you did do the Miranda stuff. Yeah. Now, this is a true interview, so you do the right. whole rights thing, and, and we they were read, starting to speak. All right. So that everybody understands how well I understand family court law and our obligation under the state, uh, you know, the state constitution if you have a juvenile and you're going to question them, you have to read the Miranda. Right. You have to read their parent or guardian Miranda, okay? They both have to agree to each and every warning contained in the Miranda warnings, mm-hmm. okay? They both have to agree to talk, okay? And if mm-hmm. one or the other at any point don't want to talk anymore, that's the end of it. You know, and that's the one issue with the Ken Burns documentary. He does sort of imply that the parents were mentally inca- uh, incapacitated uh, to some degree as well to understand the Miranda rights. Did you get any feeling that you were talking no. to a dim bulb? No. Like you were talking to someone who doesn't wasn't fully understanding the rights that you were reading them? No. But you see, we weren't even at that point yet. Right. Because Lamont McCall didn't say anything. There was no reason to hold him anymore. We let him go. He Goodbye. Left. Come back and, to and family court in a month. I'll see you then. Right. Okay. Um, Clarence Thomas. We interviewed Clarence Thomas. All right. We asked him what he saw, what happened, blah, blah, right. blah. We're not going to mention the jogger. There was no evidence at that point that they were involved. Mm. We're not going to plant any ideas in anyone's heads. Okay. Right. Gave him his desk appearance ticket goodbye. May the force be with you. Get the fuck out of here. Well, let's not get all nerdy with the Star, <laughs> Star Wars terms here. It was... It was Getting close to daylight. Right. If I, yeah. if I go a minute over 8 o'clock, I got to do a day tour now. Right. I got to do a day tour. I got to work another eight hours straight. I'm And then I got to drive home after that. And then when I run over a construction worker, because I've been working all these right. hours, everybody's going to be, yeah, this, you know. So were you in the room when the questioning was taking place? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you got through Thomas. You got through McCall. And then- right, so now we get to Kevin Richardson, Right. And we interview Kevin Richardson, and Kevin Richardson has a scratch on his face. Right. Okay. And the detective said to him, what about this scratch on your face? He said that my partner, Robert Powers, scratched him while arresting him. And the detective challenged him, and he said, well, listen, Powers is coming in for a day tour, so what you're telling us better be the truth. And then Kevin Richardson, with no prompting I, you know, from us, said, the female jogger did it. And it, it was like, everybody just looked. The detective looked at, you know. He didn't know that you knew that a female jogger was found in Central Park. He had no, there was not, at no point anyone mentioned a female jogger. It wasn't being there discussed. There was no reason to. Right. This is the morning after April 19th. Right, right. We're now at about five or six in the morning or seven. I forget exactly what time it was that, that Kevin Richardson uh, finally owned up. To getting scratched in the face yeah. by the jogger. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So let's go back. Let's go back. So he says, "I got uh, I got beat up by your partner Powell, Powers, and, uh, Powers, and uh, and then, but I mean, obviously, you were with him that entire time. Did you ever yeah. see? Was it wasn't it aggressive? Was it a very aggressive arrest? No, Did, I, don't, any, I don't know because yeah. I was standing on the sidewalk with uh, Santana and Lopez. Mm-hmm. But you see, here's the, here's the point though. It doesn't matter. 
That doesn't matter. When he was confronted, he said, okay, the female jogger right. did it. Right. Why would he say the female jogger did it unless the female jogger did it? Right? Right. Why would we have released the other two if we weren't, you know, if this, if this Ken Burns idea of a grand conspiracy to railroad these kids, you know, I, I, I'm sorry. It, it's insane. It's absurd. Right. So now he, so now you know he's put himself at the crime scene with the female jogger. What's your next step? It, the next step's not mine. The next step is the detectives okay. who are investigating it. We had to go immediately get the two kids I released and get them. This is back. McCall and Thomas. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We so they were like, I'm, I, I made it. I'm out. And then yeah. right back in. I went personally to Antron McRae's house. Antron McRae is. Remember I had mentioned him earlier. He came with his mother that night, mm. and then he left. He's, and we didn't arrest him. We didn't question him. Mm. Nothing. Goodbye. He left. I don't care. I had the, you know, I, I had the five. That's it. They, you know. Um, and, what, and what led you to uh, McRae's house? Antron McRae, because Kevin Richardson, right. when he was initially arrested, uh, mentioned Antron McRae's well, he mentioned his name. He said, right. I know who did the murder. It was Antron McCray. I could take you to where he lived. Okay. So then we got his address. We go to his house. I went there. I, we spoke to his mother and his father. All right. And we asked them to come with us back to the precinct because we had to talk about, you know, what happened. Mm -hmm. uh, they willingly, you know, said, yeah, let's go. And we asked them to have Antron put on the clothes that he was wearing the night before. Now, and when I'll, you asked him, because this is what's so interesting. First of all, I don't know. I don't know why the parents wouldn't lawyer up at this point, right? I mean, they could have at any moment. They could have been like, I would enjoy a lawyer now, and we're going to end this entire situation. And when you asked him to put on the clothes that he wore last night, had he not done it, would that have been um, perceived as a, uh, a sign of guilt? Or I mean, no. So he no. really he wasn't forced to put on the clothes. No, what, it was what just could it was we a, have done. Was, what could we have done? Run through his house and go through his hamper and you know no. And the point of having him put on the clothes that he had worn the night before was to we, collect we, DNA evidence off of it. I would assume, right? No, no. Or we, did, we, because eighty nine DNA evidence wasn't so hot. We wanted him to wear the clothes that he was wearing, so to preserve any evidence, right. if there was any. You know, if he, if, look, we're here to investigate a crime. Right. All right. We're here to get the facts. The idea, you know, all right. Yeah. Let's say, let's say we, you know, that was totally unconstitutional, which it was, it was actually ruled upon by Justice Galligan and it was found to be, uh, you know, they gave consent. They gave consent. To both wearing parents, the clothes. Yeah. Yeah. Both parents were there. They said, okay. All right. The kids said, all right, I'll, I'll put it on. The clothes were covered with mud. They were right. covered with mud. I just, I just ask one thing. When, when the mayor de Blasio hands them this check, and you know something? I liked de Blasio. I really did until this. And, you and, liked de Blasio? <laughs> <laughs> I What's wrong with you? Good God. That man's a whore. Ugh. He's a, a whore. H-O-R-R-O-R. -R -R. Yeah. Well, Horror of them uh, in New York City. Well, this is the thing. This is what this has kind of shown me that um, he doesn't—he doesn't know the facts. He's not, you know, he's making decisions based on. See, Bloomberg refused to settle with these guys, right? Because Bloomberg knew what the allegations were and that they were all lies, and it was all, you know. 
Right. We well, were under, you know, you understand that, that Ken Burns went on TV and said that the police stonewalled him and wouldn't participate with him in his, uh, in his documentary. You know that's a lie. Well, there was right? a federal gag order. I was under a federal gag order. Right. Okay. When Burns made this, this, uh, Which, by this the documentary. Way, I, I think a federal gag order. I think this is what J. Edgar Hoover used to call his sex games. <laughs> let's, play, uh, let's play a federal gag order. So you're under a federal gag order. You can't speak. Can I tell you something? My daughter's in college, okay? She's going to go to... She went to grad school. I was not going to get held in contempt of court and lose my kids' tuition money because of these, right. these kids. So okay. uh, let me ask, was... And we got to get back to the... Let's get back to the investigation here because obviously we're at uh, McRae. Um, but with the Central Park Five, th- their narrative was out. Uh, did they just break the uh, the gag order? They yes. So they yeah. technically were committing a crime when they discussed the case. I guess whatever. Well, the the understanding is the judge was very uh, pro the uh, you know the CP Five. The Five because they've been right. Uh, Central Park Five. Um, okay, yeah. so you got McCray now. He's put it on yesterday's clothes, yeah. um, and uh, you bring him down to the station. And what's his uh, what's his story? Well, he he started to tell what he had done and what his in, in uh, his participation was. But at this point now, I'm I'm kind of out of it. You're exhausted. I'm exhausted. Uh, this is now the point where the investigation starts to pick up. Right. Okay, now it's like 8 or 9 in the morning the next day, and that's when the media shows up, and, you know, I was actually kind of shocked to go out, you know, because I was sitting in that that, uh, juvenile room all freaking night. Right. (laughs) When I came outside and saw all the trucks, I was like, holy cow. I'm a celebrity. This is, no. (laughs) You didn't feel like that? (laughs) No. That's that's why I wouldn't be a good detective. Yeah. I'd be like, oh my God, you're all here for me? (laughs) This is unbelievable. (laughs) I'm like just, a mess. So it so it had caught fire. I mean, this yeah. story was international. Yeah, uh, not quite at this point, but it was becoming what it was going to uh, inevitably be. Yeah. So were you taken aback by the extreme focus that the media had on the case? Absolutely, absolutely. I to be honest with you, I felt it was so wrong. In what in what sense? In the sense that in every sense in in the sense that the the woman who was raped. She'll never be, beside the trauma of being raped and everything, the, the fact that they blew it up to what it is, destroyed whatever semblance, you know, whatever privacy she would have hoped to have had right. after being, you know, assaulted like that, that's, that's gone. Well, I she did know. embrace yeah. it by writing her book, I Am the Central Park Jogger. And, yeah. So the media, okay, so you have, so right now you've got Richardson and you've got McCray, and these are the two uh, that have been connected to the jogger. You walk out, you're done, uh, finally. For the day, media no. is everywhere. You're no. not done yet. No. So you're still you're still on no. active duty. Yeah, I was there. I was at work for three days straight. Three days straight. Three days. And straight. at what point did you start to um, find out the other uh, characters involved? It see it became so large because as you interviewed one guy, right, right. Now he'll give you another two or three names. And maybe, you know, as to who he witnessed doing whatever they were doing. Because, like I said, the, you know, it grew, it grew, and then the, the group split, and then it, you know, got back together again. It was like a virus, you know what I mean? Replicating right. and mm-hmm. getting larger and smaller. 
Sure. And um, some of them, like you said, knew each other and, and some didn't. But now the detectives had to find, you know, with the most basic of information that they get, you know, what's nicknames, you know, the corner that the guy lives on or whatever. Now we got to find these guys. Right. Right. Now here's the problem. They're all juveniles. Okay. You cannot question a juvenile in a police precinct in any other room except for the designated juvenile room, yeah. which Marcus, I sent you, yeah. you know, what is required. I mean, of stuff. I mean, I just, you, are there pictures of, is it teen beat on the wall? What's the difference between a juvenile room and an adult room? Is there it's, any significant difference other than a placard outside the you, door? If you interview a criminal juvenile defendant outside of, in the precinct, outside of the juvenile room, kiss everything they say goodbye. Right. Okay. You have to go by the, the this is a state court mandates this. Right. They have, they, they check up on every one of these. You have to file, you know, every precinct has to file which room is being used for it. They have to, you know, follow the criteria laid out for it. Right. You know, they can't have access to other prisoners. They have to have their own bathroom. has to be adequately heated. It's, there's a lot of requirements. And it has to be certified. There's 76, 77 precincts in the city. Mm-hmm. Each one only has one juvenile room. Mm-hmm. That's all we got space for. If you, right. you can't use that room for anything else, it can't have wanted posters. It can't have, you know, cops walking around in a uniform, you know, with the gun out. There's a slight more, uh, slightly more sensitive environment for yeah. a juvenile. So, so now, at, but as we're getting them, we got to interview them in the one juvenile room in that precinct. That's why we had to move from the Central Park precinct to the 2-0 to the 2-4 right. Because each precinct only had one room, and if you've got like ten or fifteen kids, and you want to, you're trying to interview one or two at a time, you can only hold them in one spot, right? You got to so now the, interview. If you want to interview someone from that group, you got to go to another precinct because you can't take those kids that are in that juvenile room out so that you can interview the other one inside there because now you're violating their rights by taking them outside of the room. <coughs> so we're taking, we're, it's a madhouse and it goes over the course of two or three days. There were 37 kids right. involved in this. Right. Yeah. So how did you start to hear the names uh, Salam, Santana, and... Uh, and Santana who, I arrested initially. You got Santana initially. And then uh, Carrie Wise. Carrie Wise got locked up. I, they got him the next day. Okay. And who who pointed the finger to Wise? That I don't know. But somebody mentioned his name, so you guys yeah. went to pick him up. Yeah, and Wise was the one that was very verbal during his sentencing. Like Wise during his sentencing, he started screaming out, "You made this up! Jesus is going to get you!" Yeah, did was, he? I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Wise does seem to be the most verbal one, and he seems to be the most aggressive one. So now you have uh, you have Salam, you got Santana, you got McRae, you got Richardson, and you got Wise. You got the whole five. Uh, what's your next step now? Wait, wait, wait. The names again? Uh, Richardson, McRae, Salam, Santana, and Wise. No. This is not the five yet. We haven't... Com- That's, those are the millionaires. These are the millionaires. That's the millionaire right. club. Right. I locked up Stephen Lopez, Raymond Santana, mm-hmm. Kevin Richardson, Lamont McCall, and Clarence Thomas. So you had two out of the five. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then, see, so the other guys were implicated through... Uh, they were all involved. In the rape? Yeah. 
Um, all right, so let's just do, let's move on then. Okay, so once, how long does it take for can the we, NYPD to finally get the five established? And these are the five that uh, you feel like you can build a case against? No, no, uh, no, no, These no. are the five. We prosecuted, uh, there was like 19 or 20 of them. They got prosecuted. They took pleas. But not for the rape. Uh, right, because not everybody was present for the rape. Right. So how did you how did you decide that these were the five that were present for the rape? That was the prosecutor's decision. But the prosecutor had the overview of the case. They have all the witness statements. Right. They had who who saw what, who said they did what. Uh, uh, what's his name? Carrie uh, Weiss. Right. Look, he admitted to having sex with the victim. Okay. No, he Carrie admitted this we to his sister, right? I believe it was Wise who told his sister that he didn't rape her, Kevin. He just held her right. legs down. No, no. All right, this is what happened. There's a there's a there's a witness. She's a there's there's a kid who's a friend of Corey of uh, Carrie Weiss, right? right? From prison, after he was arrested, Carrie Weiss calls up this friend, and the friends from he calls her up from jail. This is Melody Jackson, right? Yes. Now, Melody Jackson answers the phone, and she says to him, I can't believe you guys did that. Right. And Carrie Weiss denied raping anyone. And then she said again, I can't believe you guys did that. And he again denied it. She said it a third time, and he says, look, I only held down her, her legs while Kevin fucked her. Right. Okay, now, see, here's the twisted part of this. Because this woman does not understand the law... She thought that she heard something that exonerates Carrie Weiss. Because he just held the legs down. Right. She right. thought to herself, ah, he didn't rape her. He only held down her legs while Kevin Richardson, the other millionaire now, right. raped her. And what a good Samaritan he was. Huh? So, <laughs> no, she went to the DA's office. In an attempt to brother. exonerate. Well, what happened was her brother was being interviewed because the brother might have been involved or knew Carrie Weiss. I'm not sure what the connection was there. Right. But in the presence of the uh, detective, she volunteered that information from the phone call where Carrie Weiss specifically said to her, um, I, I didn't rape her. I held her legs while Kevin fucked her. She testified in court to that fact. Okay, and, and I mean, this is how and, ignorant this woman is of the law. It's, right. it's I mean, she did this under That's the right. notion that this was somehow helping out her friend Carrie Wise. That's right. So, well, but people, but, but and, then, and has she ever recanted? Has she ever said that? Oh no, he never said that over the phone. Or in let's see, in two thousand and two, she was reinterviewed and said the same thing again. S same thing. Yes. And and there's no financial benefit for her to say no. any of these things. No. Right. No. So, uh, so there's the there, there's the five now, uh, and they they've gone through. Um, I guess we could just hop along to the um, person who ended up taking credit, I guess, uh, for the rape. Um, once they got sentenced to prison, there's a fellow named Mateus Reyes, mm -hmm. and he is a serial rapist. He raped his own mother. Yes, he did. Yeah. Uh, which is uh, good God. Um, <laughs> that, that, that is something else. Um, and now he admitted to being the lone rapist of uh, Trisha Mealy in uh, in the Central Park uh, in, uh, in Central Park that night. Um, but but really, what why why was his um, why was it uh, why was his admission of guilt taken so seriously? I mean, this is a serial rapist. Well, first of all, he's a killer as well. First of all, the uh, the DA had no interest in pursuing this case 
because all of them serve their sentences, right? Number one. So all you're doing- All the five served- uh, Their time. The full sentence. Yeah. So, uh, you know, any pursuing of, of the charges again or other charges that they're not contesting would just cost a lot of money so the DA, to end up in no one doing any time anyway. The DA didn't want uh, to pursue the Reyes um, admission of guilt. Here's so, the thing. Mateus Reyes was mentioned by Carrie Weiss the day he was arrested. So is it possible that Mateus Reyes and Weiss and, uh, and the other guys were together? Was it yes. six of them? When, when Reyes... No, it was more than six of them. There was like 30 or 40 of them. There's, there's many more people involved. Right. But apparently, you know, look, we didn't get every single person. When uh, Kerry Weiss was arrested, okay, he talked about a guy named Rudy. He knew as Rudy. Okay? okay. He stated the day that he was arrested that Rudy played with the victim's breast and took her Walkman. Right. Okay. If you look at Mateus Reyes's statement, he tells us that he's the these he's the sole uh, attacker of this woman. Mm-hmm. And by the way, we only have his word for that. Right. There's no other evidence. No DNA evidence. No physical evidence. There's no evidence that says he's the sole attacker. Okay. I mean, he's the only one that had DNA evidence on the woman. Right. Yeah. Right. Maybe there's a, I mean, there. Are, yeah, he's the only one that has any sort that, of physical evidence attached to. He's the, the only one that could perform under those circumstances. Okay, you have thirteen and fourteen year olds. You're telling me all these kids out in in the middle of a field beating the fuck out of some poor woman, you know, and she's screaming and crying and bleeding. And right. You think everybody's going to, you know, at thirteen years old, fourteen years old, you're going to have evidence? From them, you're telling me that they have to ejaculate and they don't. Well, and it they does must seem, be innocent. Yeah, it does seem right up Reyes's alley. You know? <laughs> yeah, he was no a serial rapist. Yeah, um, Mateus so, Reyes said specifically when he attacked her, he stole her Walkman. Right. Okay. We didn't know about the Walkman until 2000. I think it was 2001, 2002, when Reyes said he was the sole attacker right. and he took the Walkman, and then she said. When we went back to her, well, when the investigators, I, I shouldn't say we because I wasn't part of the investigation, the reinvestigation, um, they told her, she told them, yeah, that's probably my Walkman. He's probably right because I had two Walkmans and one was missing. And one she had at home and she only had one with her that evening, obviously. Right. Yeah. Right. So Reyes knew about the Walkman. Did Wise And know? Carrie Wise knew about and it. And Carrie Wise as well. Yeah. And the how- day he was arrested, the day he was brought in, Carrie Weiss made a statement to a Detective Jonesa where he indicates that a guy named Rudy played with the victim's re- breast and took her Walkman. Right. And there's really, is there any other way that he could have known about this Walkman situation? Who? Weiss. I mean, is there any, did they communicate? We didn't uh, know. We didn't, how right. did we know about it? Nobody knew about it. He, uh, Weiss talked about it right. on um, April 20th. 89. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's so, when he's that's when he mentions it. And in 01, Reyes mentions it. Right. So I mean there's a huge gap of time here. Mhm. I mean obviously. Is it possible that Reyes heard about the Walkman, you know, through because the Central Park uh, 5 case was so famous, is it possible that why somehow That was not part of the, the case. That was It was not never mentioned. Of, no. That was not part of the so case. So in, in, in trial it didn't get brought up? No. No one mentioned this Walkman. No, because we didn't know about it until Mateus Reyes brought it up 
And then the investigators went back to the jogger and she confirmed it by saying, you're right, I had two of them. Um, one is missing. Mm. I have one. One's missing. So, That's the one that I, and I wear one when I jog all the time. So, so you would say at the very least, Wise and Reyes were both there for the, uh, for the rape. Absolutely. Yeah. And then Absolutely. You have, and you have Wise implicating Kevin, you know, having sex with her and all those things. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's that's just a tiny part of the... We have mountains of statements from these guys. That's why I'm flabbergasted yeah. that uh, de Blasio would give away all this money to them. See, I understood him making the promise as a candidate. Because of the gag order, he was not privy to knowing anything about the case. Nobody right. could say a word about it to him. So, you know, you would figure logically he's making this promise based on the Ken Burns propaganda piece, right. you know, and once he gets into office, because corporation council, the city attorneys, you know, are under under the mayor, the mayor runs, you know, you know that's part of his uh, thing. Right. Um, they would give him the facts as to what happened, all the statements. I mean, there's 10 times more than that. People talk about there's no... Uh, What's one statement that stands out in your mind as a massive red flag and you're like, there is no doubt in my mind? Because you go to sleep they every have, night. You are very comfortable with your position that these five individuals are guilty. There's the, uh, they made the videotape confessions. And tell, tell me more about these videotape confessions because they haven't been released yet. The New York Times might release them uh, relatively soon. Uh, go into that a little bit. I wasn't there for any of that, for the, um, for the statements. But I can tell you this. There is no way in the world... Well, first of all, it's bizarre to even think that we would want to frame these kids, okay? The it's news just, media is all over you. You guys need to find some face for the crime. A white woman just got raped in Central Park. I mean, there is a lot of no, heat on you no, guys. No, there is no heat. You see, this is what people don't understand. I don't give a shit what the press thinks. The right. press can make the biggest headlines in the world. They do not run the police department. They don't make... Detectives run around and oh, we gotta grab somebody. No, but then you don't think they influence no. it at all. No, I mean, no. You don't think a detectives? E I mean, egos no. are egos. They make our, uh, they, you know. No, that has nothing to do with ego. Yeah, it has nothing to do with ego. I mean, you even public perception coming from up on high, like that. There's no pressure from up on high they when there's run, a high profile they case. Feel, they feel pressure. I don't feel any pressure. Mm -hmm. I'm not under any pressure. I'm not doing anything that I wouldn't normally do in an investigation. What else am I going to do? I'm going to say somebody did it that didn't do it because the press is outside? I mean, That's not just the press, but the, the, because you know, my the bosses? city at large as well. No. No. That's, that is so ridiculous because one of, the things, one of the things they allege, okay, is that, quote, and I'm going to quote you from their lawsuit. Yeah. Okay. This is paragraph 77. This deliberate effort was fueled by the biases and prejudices of the mostly white detectives and assistant district attorneys who set aside all objectivity in a deliberate and concerted effort not to discover who was responsible for the rape and assault of the jogger, but to manufacture through coercion and deception a case against the adolescent plaintiffs. Why? Why with all the press? First of all, we pride ourselves very much on being the best detectives the best cops in the world. Right. All right. Why? Why would you want to frame kids who didn't do anything? They have no criminal record. Well, let's go back. They to haven't that. even done anything to us. Uh, let's go back to that original statement. Then was it mostly white officers? No. No. You see, they what? didn't name. I'm black. They did not name me in the lawsuit. 
why didn't they name me in the lawsuit? It because goes against the narrative. Because it's hard to say that it's a white conspiracy when the black guy was the one that made the, the original arrest. For the most part, the officers that arrested them and were involved with the case, they tended to be Hispanic or black, right? Yeah. The majority of people. It's... It, I don't know what the exact number is. Certainly were. enough to the point where if you if you as a black officer saw a white group of officers acting solely out of prejudice towards the race of your people, you would have been not cool with it. Not at all. So that would have been I, a red flag for you, and be like, this this is obviously a bogus. Uh, then that doesn't happen though. Situation. You can't. How you telling me there's no racism in the NYPD? I didn't say that. Didn't say that. I said it's him. I said yeah. to get all these detectives together, black, Hispanic, Irish. Guess what? Not all white people are racist. No, I know that. Okay, so now you got to yeah. get the black cops, the Hispanic cops, the white cops that are not racist, all to go along with you to frame these kids that still didn't do it. Okay, right. there's still somebody out there beating the shit out of people, and it ain't them. So now we're wasting our time. In front of the press, in front of the media, right, right, doing nothing. There's no pride in that. What about okay? There's no dignity, right. As a police, you know, as a cop doing your job. How do you, you know, you've got to be the lowest form of scum to go out there and just want to arrest somebody just based on the the color of their skin. What about the because um, Reyes on April seventeenth, right? He uh, he committed a rape. What yeah. what took so long to connect the dots uh, between him and uh, the uh, the possibility that he was uh, you know there for this one? Okay, that whole premise of connecting the dots. Yeah, you see now that's that's also a false narrative. It's not like True Detective. <laughs> Don't ruin this for me. Do not ruin this for me, Eric. Hey, I've built a fucking web on the wall. Okay. Some Sometimes you can build a web. Yours Sometimes was, you can connect the dots. Yours was about like an alien super race or something. <laughs> it's fine. You know, again, even though there was the rape two days before, we still had kids wilding, okay? We still had to arrest them, right? And we still had to question them. Even though there was the rape the night before, all right, yeah, and maybe they saw that rapist. Again, we didn't think it was them. That's why we were letting them go. Right. There was so, no reason there was no reason to keep them. Right. Until Kevin Richardson said he was scratched by the jogger. Then they all started making statements. Again, see we'd have to go look at the uh um what do you call it? The videotape uh, statements that, that right. these kids made. But you gotta understand something. Thirty seven kids in all were uh you know, were what do you call it, were interviewed. And so thirty two out of these thirty seven never mentioned a female jogger. No, and that's no, pretty no, much no, why, no, no, why they were able to get released. No. So how did you whittle it down to the five? Because they ran away from us when we were on the street. When we pulled right. up to them, they ran away. We only caught five of the thirty or forty kids that were out there. Uh, let's go back to um, race and media and how this documentary because race sells and especially when it comes Ugh. to a documentary and racism is a huge business Al Sharpton's made a bunch of money off of it David Duke wishes he was so smart <laughs> um, where do you think um, how, how do you think this has affected the national dialogue when it comes to race relations NYPD law enforcement in general um, when it comes to them and their um, 
their ability to relate to minority communities. Oh man, you know what? Because because it's a lie. Because these guys, uh, you know, were in the park. They came to do the wilding. They attacked this woman. It's. I just don't see any lie as being a good thing. Right. I no good ever comes from a lie. Once you start lying, you know nothing. It's everything is rotten from that that point on. Well, sometimes you gotta fake it till you make it. Yeah. Yeah. I always tell girls I'm very successful. (laughs) (laughs) That's a violent, vicious lie. See, I I always look. But I I mean, as 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 a black uh, police officer, I mean, again, I mean, what. You are theoretically to some people you're you're the enemy. You're the bad black. You're the guy who turned yeah. his back on the community. No, you see, and I and I those people are the most misguided that you could imagine. And you see, this is and that's I mean, what these Ken are the Burns people that let, and that's what Ken Burns think. That's what that's what goes on in his mind. Right. Okay, he, see the the Ken Burnses of the world. Okay, they like the tea party. Okay, he's no different than the people who call Obama a Muslim, you know, the people who blindly say he's from Kenya and he hates white people and all this stuff. He's got this fucking insane left-wing narrative in his head that, right. you know, these racist cops and these, and these poor kids. And there was, in that documentary, there were no facts regarding the case whatsoever. Okay, it was how bad their lives were. It was, you know, all this other sad And as a stuff. black guy who and comes from not a lot of money, I mean, does this make you feel, is it, it almost makes them, because my uh, sort of feeling from watching the documentary was that they weren't mentally able to handle the, uh, the, the idea that they were in trouble. You know, that was sort of one of the, That's, they are such, they are perpetual victims. I mean, this is one area where I think the left has uh, completely ha- uh, harmed uh, every exactly, poor community. Exactly, exactly. These poor, and Ken Burns, if you notice when he goes on these shows, he whines for you to give them money. You know, just give them the money. Just give them, make them heal. Make when he goes on his talk shows to, uh, to yeah. press the uh, documentary, yeah. Any person that's been wronged, if you watch the news, if you follow, you know, atrocities like this, the one thing that those, the true victims have in common is they want their day in court. Okay? They want their day in court. They want to see the people that fucked them over publicly humiliated, have all their charges substantiated. I was dying for our day in court. I wanted to, I was ready, I, I, Two, they had me uh, do the deposition a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I was going over all my testimony and stuff. I bought a few new suits from uh, Men's Warehouse. Men's Warehouse. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Like those sales. I love those sales. Yeah. I'm a Joseph A. Bank guy myself. Yeah, yeah. I can't get enough of them. They make suits for real fat, tall people. Well, I got uh, profiled in Joseph A. Bank, so I wasn't too happy with that. Get out. Joseph A. Bank is very racist. <laughs> yeah. No, I <laughs> the, went to the, the NYPD of men's clothing stores. Oh, stop that. <laughs> I went to buy suits there, right? They had like get buy one suit, get like eight suits free. Yeah, yeah, that's so, not true, by the way. Yeah, but anyway. I know, I know, I know. All right, all right. Let's get back. So, um, so what were some of just real quick? Because we got to wrap it up uh, with Reyes uh, when he admitted uh, to raping the girl alone. Were there any benefits that he was able to uh, to get by admitting uh, that he raped this gal alone? Uh, well, first of all, he was threatened by Weiss in prison. Okay, okay. Weiss in, what, in which way? Because Weiss, Weiss, of course, went to prison, joined the Crips, which mm-hmm. you have to do. Yeah. So. Weiss fought him one year after the Jogger case. 
He fought him. In Rikers Island. That's, that's a fact. That's documented by uh, corrections. Right. They claimed it was over watching a TV channel. Right. But what do you think they're fighting over? Right? I mean, what do this you think guy, they're fighting Carrie over? Carrie Weiss, I only held her legs down. You wanted to fuck her. You wanted to rape her. Now look at, look at all this shit because you raped this broad. Ray, and Reyes is Rudy. Right. So, uh, and he beats the shit out of him. Now Reyes is facing life in prison. He's never getting out of regardless, jail. Regardless, yeah. So he's there forever because yeah. he raped his mother. He killed some people. Yeah. I mean, he's a disgusting human being. Yeah. Well, he's a psychopath. He's, oh, he's, he's a total. bonafide psychopath. Right. That's why the DA who was reinvestigating it, who has uh, animosity towards the two DAs that originally had the case, looked. And what's the animosity over? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure because I don't know what goes on in the DA's office, but it was right. public knowledge that the, the DA that reinvestigated it, Nancy Ryan, had an axe to grind. And um, she specifically did things that made the investigation go, you know, in a certain direction. In the uh, direction of guilt. In the direction that we'll never find out from Reyes what truly, truly happened. You know, if he was with those others or not. Um, another detective was interviewing him and uh, she didn't like it. And pulled him off so that she could throw softball questions at him and be nice to him and, you know. So she wanted the detective to treat uh, him like John Stewart treated Hillary Clinton when she came on The Daily Show. <laughs> Nothing but softball questions the whole time to, to fit the narrative that they wanted to create. Yeah. And then Ray is also, this is true, where he would then be a protected prisoner, right? Because That's he'd right. be a snitch. So then he gets sent to a much nicer, I guess as far as prisons go, yeah. a much nicer uh, prison. Yeah. So he really had every bet. He was in prison for life. He was beaten by Wise. He was a, a large member of the Crips, a very uh, successful um, person in the gang. Obviously, he's a celebrity. And then he would also get moved to a finer facility. Yeah. So that really does lead uh, to some questions about the man's confession. I mean, he definitely raped the woman. He is a psychopath. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, DNA evidence proves that he definitely raped that woman. Absolutely. Yeah. But the question yeah. is, did he do it alone? Yeah. And that's, that's, a, that's, that's always the, that's the biggest question. So in basically, the, yeah. what, in the Jogger case during the trial, Elizabeth Letterer always said... And who's Elizabeth Letterer? She's the assistant district attorney who prosecuted the case along with Linda Fairstein. Okay. Uh, ADA um, Letterer always maintained that there were other people involved. Mm -hmm. We didn't get everybody we acknowledged during the trial, yes, there's sperm that was there uh, that we don't know who's, who it is. There was a lot of people that attacked her. When I went to, when I went after the group in the, you know, when I was in anti-crime, right, mm -hmm. and the female pulled up with the scooter, a lot of them went in the wind. I'll tell you, if Ken Burns was smart, he would have made a documentary called The... Uh Mystery of the Secret Sperm. Uh, whose is it? And uh, obviously, like we discussed, we got to wrap it up here. But uh, beforehand, uh, you know, we I, I I I told you that the best possible conclusion, because the narrative is so in the favor of the Central Park Five, they got forty one million dollars from the uh, you know New York City, which I don't think they hand out lightly. Um, what is the and the best that you can really do is muddle muddy the waters a little bit. Uh, what what is the one thing that you would like uh, to have happen from your perspective on this case? What what, what would be something that you would just be? Um, what what's, what outcome do you want to see? I want the facts out there. I want them to state why they came into Central Park on the eight uh, the night of April nineteenth, nineteen eighty nine. Did they assault anybody? Did they participate in raping anybody? 
Tell us your side of the story. You got 41 million. You got the taxpayers' money, okay? The people that work hard, that go to work every day, that are not wilding, they just paid you $41 million. So tell them what the hell you were doing April 19th, 1989, and why you deserve $41 million. All right, well, let's just leave it there. Uh, thank All you right. so much, Eric. Yeah, for, uh, fucking for being thank, here. Thanks so much yeah. for coming in, man. This stuff's fascinating. Absolutely. Eric Reynolds, everybody. All right, that's Marcus Parks. I'm Ben Kissel. That's Marcus Parks on Twitter. I'm Ben Kissel on Twitter. Eric, are you on Twitter? No, I'm old. I'm old. <laughs> then don't worry about it. Um, all I right, got everyone. a pigeon. I got a pigeon. I put a little note on. <laughs> oh my good! Living that Mike, Mike Tyson mail system. Those roof guys. I'm tweeting. My bird is tweeting for me. <laughs> oh my! This is, this is a corny joke. All right, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. <laughs> BP added more than seventy billion dollars to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 BrandSpark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated.